Welcome once again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again today. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it's a privilege, as always, to have an open Bible before me and to have your ear today and have the opportunity to break the bread of life and, uh, and to teach a little Bible, exposit the Word of God today. And we trust that you're getting some help from these Bible lessons and encourage you to get your Bible open and follow along with us as we look into the words of life. This week, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to kind of do a quick overview over the next 25 minutes or so of this seventh chapter and glean some very, very important instructive insight for the Christian here in the age of grace, the church age. And one of the things that I'll say right here is we're going to make proper application because that's what we're supposed to do. There is a great picture, a great type that unfolds throughout the uh, Old Testament uh, showing us great, glorious pictures of New Testament truths. Now, one of the things I have noticed is that novices, those who are unskilled in the uh, divine art of rightly dividing the word of truth, will often begin their Bible study, and they find that verse in 2 Timothy 2.15, which clearly instructs us to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. They find that, but they uh, quickly figure out that, yes, there's some great differences between Old Testament Israel and the law versus the New Testament church and grace. And uh, they begin to, once they get that basic truth down, which is true, they then begin to wrongly divide the word of truth by throwing out large portions of the Old Testament and pretending like that has no application to the New Testament Christian. A greater mistake could not be made, and, a, and you will miss out on some wonderful riches and glorious truths of the Word of God if you fail to make proper application from Old Testament Israel and their history to the, to the New Testament Christian in the church. Now, for example, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, writing to the church and to born-again believers, he says in Romans chapter 15 that the things which were written aforetime were written, quote, for our learning. And it goes on to say that we through... Uh, patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So those things written in the Old Testament were written for our learning. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as he recounts some of the wilderness journeyings of the children of Israel, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, actually, he says that those wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel under the hand of Moses were written for our learning also. He says this, he says, these things are our ensamples. Now all these things happened unto them, the children of Israel, for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition of whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand taketh heed lest he fall. And so it's very wise to take heed and be admonished from the examples of the Old Testament saints and from Old Testament Israel. There's a saying that goes around that says, experience is the greatest teacher. Well, I might add to that and say wisdom would say that the experience of others is even a greater teacher. Uh, amen. I would rather learn from someone else's mistakes than have to go through the mistake myself. The problem is our ears are often dull of hearing. And so as Jesus Christ would often say, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So let's see what the word of God will say to us today and to teach us from this uh Sad but true narrative of something that happened to the children of Israel as they were going in and taking the promised land under the leadership uh, of 
Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Let's begin reading together here in verse 2. Joshua chapter 7, verse 2. The Bible says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Now, let me just stop right here and say the context that we're reading is uh, right coming right on the heels of the great victory that God gave to the children of Israel at Jericho. You know the story. Unfortunately, you probably think the children of Israel marched seven times around the walls because you probably sing the hymn and pay more attention to gospel songs than you do the actual written word of God. The truth is, the children of Israel marched 13 times around the walls of Jericho. Read it in chapter 6. And right here in Joshua chapter 7, verse 2, they are flushed with victory. They have gone in there and they have scored a great victory with the help of the Lord and they are rejoicing. And so the Bible says Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. Ai is the next city on the agenda. That's the next city to defeat and to take over and to get the promised land that God promised to the nation of Israel. And it says this city is beside Bethsaven on the east side of Bethel. And he spake unto them saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up. But let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. I'll take note right here, Christian friend. If you've had some success, if God has given you victory over something recently, or you've seen some fruit in your life, take heed, lest you fall. You say, why? Because we're about to read about a great and humiliating defeat by the child, of the children of Israel by the men of Ai, and it's a classic example of that great old proverb that says, pride goeth before destruction and, quote, a haughty spirit before a fall. So they said, ah, we're not even going to send the whole army up there. Well, we'll just send two or 3,000 men up and whip them. Verse 4, so there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. So all of a sudden, there's no power there. There's no victory for the children of Israel, and they are fleeing and turning their backs to the children of Ai. And the Bible says in verse 5, And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. You know what you just read about? You just read about a very humiliating day for the children of Israel. Their confidence was at an all-time high. They had no fear, but there was a problem. But because they did not recognize the problem, they entered into battle and they were humiliated and defeated. 36 men died and the rest of the thousands that went up turned and fled back down the mountain to get away from the men of Ai. That's a humiliating day, a humiliating defeat. And can I tell you something? What's the application to the New Testament Christian? All the picture is clear. You know what the Bible says? It says that Jesus Christ came to provide salvation. And listen, here is the missing note of today's gospel presentation. We often preach of the justification that Jesus Christ will give to a man when he believes upon him. And that is 100% true. That Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 5, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Listen, it was the blood of Jesus Christ that brought our justification. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, "Being much more than being now, now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's a glorious truth. 
But most Baptists and many Christians that I know these days only look at salvation as something that's going to take place at the day of their death. All they see Jesus Christ as is a Savior from the wrath to come, which is true. There's no doubt if you're listening to me today and you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you know in your heart, you have the witness of the Spirit in your heart that tells you that everything's all right. Jesus Christ has made peace through the blood of his cross. And since you've received him by faith, you know that you have escaped the damnation to come. You're not going to hell and you're not going to face the wrath of God. That's what's known as justification. And that's a glorious, wonderful truth. But let me tell you something. New Testament salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ isn't just given to us to provide us an escape route from hell and from the wrath to come. That salvation that God provided in his son, Jesus Christ, is also designed to deliver us from our day-to-day defilement and to give us victory right now. There's an old hymn that we often sing called Rock of Ages, probably one of my favorite gospel hymns. It says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin, quote, the double cure, save from wrath and, and make me pure. Listen, the salvation that Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary's tree isn't just to get sinners out of hell, although it'll do that, you can guarantee it. But I'll tell you what it's also for, it's to give us victory and to give us victory over ourselves and over our sin. Romans chapter 6 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Now let me ask you a question today, and you just be honest uh, before God and in your own heart. Just be honest with yourself and before God. Answer this question for me. How much victory do you actually enjoy in your Christian life? Are you enjoying any victory at all? Or are you daily humbled and humiliated by every little temptation that comes along? And you know what bothers me as much as anything is so many Christians who live uh, uh, lives of defeat, who live in humiliation before the devil, the flesh, and the world, who are daily losing to the, in the battle of sin. What bothers me most of all is the fact that it does not seem to bother most Christians to live way below the privileges that they've been given in Christ Jesus. They're used to living powerless, prayerless lives, defeated, dry, joyless existence. Is it any wonder, is it any wonder that the world around us doesn't see much light and the salt has lost its savor? Is it any wonder? No, not to me it isn't. You know why? It's because Christians are used to being losers. They're used to being defeated by the simplest snares that the devil lays for them. My friend, these things ought not so to be. Jesus Christ came that we might be, quote, more than conquerors. Jesus Christ came not only to to deliver us from the wrath to come, but to deliver us from the power of sin right now. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Listen, you're not supposed to be uh, having humiliating defeats all the time. The children of Israel, the Bible says there in verse 5, when the men of Ai smote them, uh, it says that when they ran down, smote them in the going down, it says, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. You know something? You're not supposed to be uh, losing all the time. You're not supposed to be humiliated before the devil and the world and the flesh. 
And you know something, you may have met with defeat, but listen, God giveth the victory. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says plainly. It says that God will give us the victory. But listen, you will be defeated and live a powerless and useless Christian life unless you get a hold of the next great truth we're going to look at here from Joshua 7. The congregation was defeated. Why were they defeated? Why did they meet with a humiliating defeat in the in the presence of an inferior foe? Well, the answer begins in verse 1. Look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Back up to verse 1 and notice this. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Ah, yes, there is a humiliating defeat. But my friend, it wasn't because God wasn't able to deliver them uh, out of the hands of the uh, people of Ai. It wasn't because the promise of God wasn't true. No, there was something else going on. In verse 10 of Joshua 7, it says, The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen uh, and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So we see the humiliating defeat was because of a hidden sin, a hidden thing that was accursed in the sight of God. Now you all know the story if you've read Joshua 7. God's telling him there's somebody in the midst of you that has hidden something. And you know what it was? It was old Achan. We know the story. He hid the accursed thing, some gold, some silver, and a Babylonish garment uh, under the dirt in his tent, in the earth under his tent. He had hidden something. What's the New Testament application? My friend, you are suffering humiliating defeats and walking in defeat, not because God has not made it possible for you to be victorious, but you are humiliated day to day and powerless and have no joy and no peace because there is hidden sin in that heart of yours. You understand that the Bible says that God said that you cannot stand before your enemies because of the hidden accursed thing. And let me tell you something, Christian friend, you will have no victory until you honestly deal with what's hidden in your heart. Do you know what's hidden in your heart? Listen, you need to go down there and look. I know it's no fun to go through the cellar door and go down into the basement of your heart and begin to clean it out, but that's the only way you're going to find victory. There's something to keeping the touch and the power of God off your life, and it's going to be some small thing. And as small as it may be to you, it's the thing that's causing the humiliating defeats, and you keep hiding it down there in your heart. This thing is hidden in the earth under Achan's tent, as we're going to see here in just a few minutes. I remember teaching this uh, as a devotion to, to, to my two youngest boys. I've got two little boys, one's five and one's three. And so I read the story of Achan and the accursed thing to them. And boy, when Jesus Christ said, out of the mouths of babes, uh, I'm telling you what, sometimes you can get some real nuggets from the little ones. I read this Bible story and I asked the question, what have you guys learned from this? What'd you get out of it? 
Well, I had read where Achan hid the accursed thing in the earth under his tent. My five-year-old, when I asked the question, what did you get out of this devotion? He raised his hand and he said these words. He said, Daddy, I learned that God can see through the dirt. You might want to write that down because I did. Because you know what? That's the truth. God Almighty can see through the dirt. Listen, you know what you were made out of? According to Genesis 2, you were made from the dust of the ground. And God can see through the dirt. The people around you, the congregation of Israel, was unaware of the hidden thing. And listen, Christian friend, you may hide sin in your heart from the preacher. You may hide it from the deacon board. You may hide it from the members of the congregation of the church you go to. You may hide it from your family and everybody around you. But listen to me out of the mouth of a five-year-old. Let it preach to you. God can see through the dirt and God sees into your heart and he sees the wicked carnal things that are lurking there. Are you willing to uncover those things? What's hiding in your heart? I'm going to tell you something. What's hidden in your heart many times is the very direct result of why you are failing to live victorious in your day-to-day Christian life. God's not going to put up with sin in his children. You may have escaped the wrath to come, but listen, friend, you'll never have victory in this life until you deal with what's hidden in your heart. I know Christians who hide all kinds of things down in their heart. They're very conscience, conscious of a root of bitterness that they've allowed to grow down there. That Bible speaks of the uh, bitterness, that root of bitterness that springeth up and thereby many be defiled. Listen, you better clean that heart out. You better get down into the, the cellar door. You better go down into the basement of your heart, begin to dig that stuff out of there and bring it up into the light before the Lord. You know why? The psalmist said, shall not God search this out? He knows what's hidden there. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth, he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Do you have a spirit of, of sensitivity? You can't take a rebuke. You can't take straight preaching. You're too sensitive. Your feelings get hurt so easily. Do you hide? Uh, I'm talking about hidden things down in there. I'm not talking about drunkenness and adultery. Many Christians may be free of those acts right there. But I'm talking about what you're hiding down there. Covetousness and anger. Uncontrolled anger. Do you get angry and blow your stack? And do you, do you uh, get angry and, and blow up at your family and cuss them out every once in a while and then say, well, you know, every once in a while, preacher, the old man gets the best of me. No, you're a, you've been defeated. You ought to be humiliated by that kind of activity. I'm going to tell you something. Your Christian life ought to match. Pub, whatever people think you are in public ought to be matched in private. It's no good to put on the front and put on the Christian veneer during the day when people can see you, but then privately act like a devil. That ain't going to cut it. If you're born again and you're a Christian, you're a Christian all the time. Listen, there was a great old saint of God back in the 1800s that said this, I quote, some Christians seem to think that all the requirements of a holy life are met when there is very active and successful Christian work. And because they do so much for the Lord in public, they feel at liberty to be cross and ugly and unchristlike in private. If we are to walk as Christ walked, it must be in private as well as in public, at home as well as abroad, and it must be every hour, all day long, and not at stated periods or on certain fixed occasions. 
I'm telling you, that's some good preaching right there. You need to get victory. And the reason you don't have victory in private is because you have hidden something down in your heart. Envy. Do you have a murmuring, critical spirit? See, you got to get honest with yourself. What's hidden down in your heart? Are you full of, uh, in your heart, do you enjoy listening to gossip? Because the receiver of bad goods is just as bad as the one that's delivering the bad goods. Mark that down. Do you enjoy complaining? Do you have a discontented, murmuring spirit, a critical spirit of your brethren? Listen, this stuff is sin. This is accursed stuff. And you need to get a hold of these things and, and get a hold of the fact that you are being defeated and humiliated by this because of these things that are hidden in your heart. Amen and amen. You say, preacher, what are we supposed to do? Well, the Lord said, up and sanctify yourself. Look down at verse 19. Look how they dealt with it during Joshua's day. It says in verse 19 of Joshua 7, Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. Notice that uh, Joshua is encouraging uh, Achan to make confession unto God. Can I tell you, in this day and age of the church, this age of grace, if you will, you don't have to go to some uh, hotshot religious leader. You don't have to go to a priest or your pastor. You don't have to go to the pope to confess your sins. No, you can get on your knees if you know him and the pardon and forgiveness of sins, and you're your own priest. It's called the priesthood of the believer, and you're to make confession unto God. Joshua told Achan, make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. You see, this stuff was hidden in Achan's tent. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Well, it's too late to make confession now. You know the rest of the story. Achan ends up being stoned along with all of his family, and they burned all of his possessions and, and uh, built a big pile of rocks over top the remains. You say, what an awful thing. Oh, listen to me. That's not too awful. He had an opportunity to get right. You say, he got honest here, Brother Alltop. Why didn't God have mercy on him? Well, it was, uh, he was called out. God had to go to him. And you know what some of you Christians are going to do? You're going to fool around and be humiliated by secret sins. And you're going to have to, God is going to bring all that stuff out about you at the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says God shall judge the secrets of men. And the scripture says in that day of the judgment of believers, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that if any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Yet he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know what you need to do? You need to get honest before God now. And you need to deal with that thing now and not wait until God comes to you with it and causes you to have to get honest before him. No. You know, you say, well, when could Achan have gotten right? Oh, it was the night before. It was the evening before when Joshua had announced to the children of Israel that tomorrow I'm coming family by family, tribe by tribe, man by man. Listen, Achan could have come clean the night before. 
said, it's not necessary. I'm going to come and confess now. And you know what you have an opportunity to do right now? You have an opportunity to unload the hidden things of your heart before God. That scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, and friend, that is talking to born-again believers who find themselves being humiliated by recurring sins, living the up and down life. No victory, no joy, no power. You know what the Bible says to do to get fellowship with God and the power of God upon you? You got to clean out your heart. You got to get honest with God before you ever come before the judgment. That Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you know what most Christians are going to do? They're going to glibly go, uh, stumble through this life with no victory and no power, hiding things in their heart. And you know what they're going to ha- wait around? They're going to waste their life and come before the judgment seat of Christ when it's too late to do anything about it. And their works and their life is going to go up like Hiroshima. And they're going to see the Bible, just what the Bible meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when it says, if any man's work shall uh, be burned, he shall suffer loss. Not the loss of your soul, but the loss of rewards and the loss of a life that would make a difference. Oh, listen, this heart cleansing needs to be taken care of now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Achan waited too late. Why he, you know what he did that night? Rather than getting clean and going to Joshua and confessing his sin before that next day rolled around, he sat up all night weighing and counting the money because he knew how much it weighed. He said, there is a wedge of gold of 50 shekels. He says, I got 200 shekels of silver in there. That sucker had laid, set up the whole night before while everybody was praying and getting themselves right, waiting for God to show them who had the accursed thing hidden. He sat up all night counting that rather than repenting. And too many Christians go stumbling through this life with no victory and with no power, nursing a grudge or nursing some pet sin that nobody else sees. But I'll remember something from a five-year-old preacher. God can see through the dirt and he sees into your heart, friend, and he knows what's there. And you know what you need to do? You need to make a clean sweep of that heart. And you need to let the Lord go down with you. Bring him down. Give him a candle and say, search every room and every room in the basement of my heart and everything that's displeasing to you, every hidden accursed thing. God, help me to bring it out in the light that you might cleanse it and that I might have the power of God upon my life. Christian, do you want to have victory? Then get honest before God and unveil to him the hidden things of the heart before the day of judgment. You know what happens in Joshua chapter 8? The Bible says, The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. In other words, once the hidden thing was uncovered, once the hidden thing was dealt with, the power of God rested upon the children of Israel again. And listen, Christian friend, the application is simple. You got hidden sin in your heart. It's going to cause you many humiliating moments of defeat. What you need to do is get honest before God and drag out that hidden trash, empty out that heart of sin, and let God cleanse you and put his anointing back upon your life that you might live above your sin. 
Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And and Romans chapter 6 goes on to tell the believer in Christ that sin shall not have dominion over you. But when you hide stuff in your heart, you're going to have to open up the doors of that heart and bring things out piece by piece, one at a time, and let God cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and then he'll lead you on to paths of victory. God giveth the victory, but you've got to be honest, and you've got to be clear on the matter. Don't mess around with sin. Call it for what it is. Got a problem with anger? Call it out. You got a problem with lust? Call it out before the Lord. Empty out that heart of all those hidden sins. You got a problem with covetousness? You got a problem with anger, bitterness, gossip? Whatever those sins, those hidden sins may be, they may be hidden to the eye of man. They're not hidden to the eye of God. Drag them out in the light, the glorious light of this book, and let God cleanse you and put the power on you. May God help us to make proper applications of these great Old Testament pictures. Until next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve him.